Hi everyone, welcome to Training with Casey, where we explore animal training and living our best lives with animals. I'm Joseph Laughlin, producer of this podcast, and now here's your host, Casey Covert. Let's get started. Welcome everyone to Training with Casey, and thank you, Joseph, for the introduction. I am your host, Casey Cover, and tonight let's talk about making training videos. So I had recently done a podcast on the importance of keeping things real with animals. In other words, you know, don't ask them uh, the same question over and over again, or have them have to repeat things too often, you know, exhausting them and making things really boring. And we did a podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, let me go back just a second. So what's an alternative? An alternative is to do real training videos or presentations where you're actually teaching the animal in real time, right in front of the audience, and you share that with them. And you know, you're not going to have the plots that you have in a regular show. You won't have the same kinds of jokes, you know, with perfect timing and you know exactly where they're coming and how to set them up. But you are going to have the suspense of we have a real thing that we're trying to do here. And are we going to be successful? So we took a look at just exactly such a video. And this was in the Netherlands and we were training a cat that was a stray cat and needed full body x-rays because he had been hit by a car, but he seemed to be fine. But before they could release the cat to a shelter, they needed to make sure that there were no broken bones. That normally would take them an average of 16 minutes to do it with sedation. But if you have a stray cat, and you have to give them sedation, it's an additional cost, it's additional time, and it puts an additional strain on the animal's body after he just had a stress. And oh, by the way, if he has to go into a shelter, he's about to have another stress. So these are all uh, animal management considerations because it's important for us to try to minimize the number of stresses that an animal has under our care. All right, so we did that and we showed that the animal actually did very well. And we got the full body x-rays with the animal's full cooperation, even though he started out not really wanting to do that. As a matter of fact, the vet said at the beginning, this is not a cat that wants to be in your arms, but he really changed quickly. Okay, so now let's talk about the logistics. Like, how do you actually do this? And so I have a little outline here, and I don't normally speak from notes, but this is um, kind of a more how-to thing. So I want to make sure I don't leave anything out. So let's do it. So when you're working by yourself, all right, you can video all your own work. And it is so productive. Even if you're not going to share the videos publicly, 
if you just watch your own training, you will do more to improve yourself as a trainer, probably than any amount of coaching from the most famous trainers you could meet. Okay. But in any case, it will help you. So you have to get your camera or your phone. And you're going, so let me see how many we have here. One, two, three, four, five, six. So six steps to videotape yourself. You get your camera or your phone, and we'll talk about this in more detail next. You set up your camera tripod and put your camera on it. Make sure it's secure, level it, all that. Now you need to landmark your work frame. What I mean by that is as you look through the LED screen or the viewfinder, you need to determine how much of the room or the area is in your, is included in the view the camera has. So I often work in a barn and at my horse's stall. And I know how far I have to put the camera out, you know, how far away from the opening, the window into her stall, so that I can get her entire head and face while she comes out to work with me. Because if you don't figure that out carefully, then yeah, you know, the horse may be perfectly framed at first, but as they move their heads, or in my case, my hands up and down, they go out of view and you may be missing critical action. Let's say you're teaching the animal to show their teeth, for example. So you need to know what is included in your frame. Now, when I work in the covered arena, I will aim at the beams that hold the metal building up and I can usually get three to four beams in my camera frame, depending on how far away I'm going and what I'm, what kind of action I want to capture. And so I look and see which beams those are, and I make a mark on the ground if I need to. And I know that there's going to be a cone going to the camera. So the back of the frame like up against the wall between the the actual beams is the widest part of the picture. And as long as I stay between those beams, everything will be shown as long as I'm back up against the wall. The closer I come, I'm walking into the apex of that cone. So I've got to make sure that I stay closer and closer in line with the camera. As a matter of fact, if you've seen many videos that I do with Sarah and now Affair, I'll say, can you please line up for the camera? They know what that is. Okay. The next thing you need to do is just before you go to work, you need to review your training plan. You need to make sure that you remember exactly the steps that you're going to, you know, take with the animal and at least three of them, and what you're going to do with all those. Do you have all your props? Did you do all your prep? 
you know, for example, here's one I'm working on right now where I didn't do it correctly. I got a box of scents and one of them seemed to leak just a tiny bit on all the bags that cover the other ones. So the actual scents aren't affected, but the outs, the exterior of the package is. And so I was testing today to see if the animals can smell the scent in spite of the fact that they're sealed inside the, bo the bottles and in spite of the fact that there's some contamination. And the bad news is I think I'm going to have to wash all the scent bottles very carefully and start over again with that. So all these little details are important. So you review your training plan and then you just go do it. You go record your real life training session. And finally, you do it for real. Okay, the, these are going to be archival type videos generally. Um, when you're working, a lot of times you just can't set up lights and, uh, you know, you're not in a controlled environment. In a lot of the real-time training videos I have been involved with over the years, all kinds of things happen, like the camera has gone down in the middle of things, or uh, somebody has backed into the camera because they got startled by something else, or the lights have gone out, or the sound suddenly went out, and it goes on and on and on. But that isn't very important in training videos. If you want to do you know, a show to... Um, showcase a big uh, oceanarium or something like that. Yeah, the people expect it to look really professional. But if you are just going to show what you are doing and how well you're doing it, you just need the evidence. And believe me, you will never regret taking video of your work. Because let's say you train a really difficult animal for a client and you send them home, and you have no proof that you ever did that. And believe me, I don't care how difficult an animal is, when people see the animal being good, they automatically will say in their head, at least I have done this, that animal doesn't look very difficult to me. Okay, so take your video. Now, it's the same thing for exotic animal trainers and marine mammal trainers because you get these things done. You have these amazing experiences with the animals. And a lot of times they just get missed. Uh, you may have a breakthrough. You may develop a really good way to teach something. But if you don't have video of it, it's going to be more difficult to share that information with your colleagues and so on and so forth. So taking video is something that you will be so glad that you did and you will never regret doing. Yeah, unless, yeah, we won't even go into the cases where you might regret it. Okay, so um, we, in the last podcast, we went over SATS training, X-ray of cat without sedation. That's the title of the video. And we'll post the link 
in the comments for this one. But here are the steps in that video. Here are the things that we had to do. And I didn't actually explain it. We were, I was watching it with the producer of this podcast and just asked him, you know, is this clear to you? And I talked a little bit about it, but mostly we were talking about um, using an actual training session to produce a presentation. So let's go over what we actually accomplished in that video. So here are the steps. So the goal is Kat needs to get full body x-rays and we are training to avoid the need for sedation. So we're training to get the x-rays without the need for sedation. So we're going to do six things. We're going to name the body parts and the pose positions. And I'll go into a little detail on that in a minute. We're going to introduce the bridges. We're going to teach conditioned relaxation using body work. We're going to introduce the cues, uh, which would be the positions, using intermediate bridges or IBs to support the cat while holding the pose for the x-ray. Five, we're going to explain any distractions. And in this particular uh, video, the only one that I recall that we saw was where I, I was showing the vet how to use the touch. And that took the focus off the cat and the cat started to look like he wanted to jump off the table. And I said, you're good, 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 good. So I just kind of talked to him about, um, you know, what he was doing and what the options were at that time. But let's say somebody opens the door we would just say, okay, door's opening and you're good. You're going to stay easy on the table. Good, good, good. All right. And six, you start training and you get the job done. And so, as I said before, the average time to get the full body x-rays in this clinic was 16 minutes. It took us 13 minutes. And that included teaching the cat from the very beginning, teaching the vet to teach the cat, moving so we had to pick up the cat and move to the x-ray room and getting the x-ray films taken. So uh, it's only a, about a three and a half minute video. And it was 13 minutes initially, but people don't have really long attention spans, especially when there's you know some foreign language because this was in Dutch, a lot of it. And uh, not much, no plot or conversation, except for the fact that we're doing these strange things that are going to result in this job getting done. And what I did is I edited out most of the repetition, but I wanted to show, you know, how the body touch was done, how the parts were named, all that. And so by getting those critical elements documented, it took about three and a half minutes. And it was very gratifying because the vet is fantastic and has great hands with the animals, just great hands. Uh, the way he used his hands to help those animals 
was amazing. It's almost like you could just feel the healing coming out. But he was very effective at this. And I, I really hope he's been able to use it in many, many ways to help animals. So he said at the end, when he took the first x-ray, that's amazing. And then at the end of the second x-ray, he kind of leaned back and he goes, that's amazing. And it is amazing. And one of the reasons we are so amazed is because training is really about 90% communication. And I think we tend to focus too much on repetition. When you take out the repetition, but make sure you include effective communication, things go a lot quicker. And that's all there is to it. Okay, so now some tips that work for me. I prefer a video camera to a phone. Now, you can now also use um, a regular camera. Many of them have the ability to take video as well as still shots, just as a video camera can take stills as well as video. But I don't have experience with that. But I've used both phones and cameras. And the reason I like cameras better is they have more storage space. It's easy to switch batteries and keep going. I have more power options with them. They have way more storage. So when you get really working, um, I used to uh, and hope to do it again now that we're out of coronavirus. I used to visit all these different zoos and go from animal area to animal area to animal area. And you're trying to get as much done as possible in the little time you have together. And so there's not a lot of time. You don't have time to go charge a battery. And on a cell phone, you'd use it up almost immediately. You'd use up all your storage space and all your battery. So the cameras have um, batteries that have longer working times and better power options and much more storage. Now, also on that subject, uh, what we're doing, I've used high definition in the past and it really didn't help me at all. What I'm trying to do is mostly document events, right? I'm not trying to create an art thing. And so the filming conditions, you know, it's often dark or too bright or murky. There's a bunch of people out there yelling and clapping and all this. Maybe there's a lot of machinery noise in the background. And HD just takes a lot more storage space and a lot more time to process it. And also it shows up all my personal flaws much more accurately. And we just don't need to go there, right? I'm not paying for that. Okay, so here's another thing. So I like video cameras better than phones. I like a video 
a, a video tripod generally better than a videographer. So very generous, well-intentioned people have offered to take video for me when I didn't have a tripod or when we were truly going to be having so much action, I couldn't set the camera tripod up to catch it all. And it's almost always an unfortunate thing. So I've had things where people decide to turn the camera off. They just, they get tired of doing it and they turn it off. And then there was one situation where we were working with wolves. And at the end of the session, the wolf laid down on the ground and pushed his feet out through the chain link so that I could massage his feet. And I could hear the staff behind me saying, that is freaking amazing. And I was so thrilled that we were going to have video of this, of showing how quickly we can form relationship um, and gain trust with animals if we work a certain way. Well, guess what? The video camera was off. So I don't have that. Now, uh, other things that will happen is videographers will get distracted. They'll get tired. Maybe they don't have steady hands. Sometimes they'll start watching from outside the camera viewfinder so that the subject is suddenly partially out of frame. You know, it's kind of like, well, here's an actual camera. I can show you what happens. And you can see it. You know, if you look over during things, so they're like this and, oh, yeah, this is great. And, okay, now I'm looking at the little uh, view that I have of myself. I'm going to look at the camera. Okay, yeah, okay, that's great. Oh, wow, I want to get those details. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, you see what happens? Camera is no longer actually getting the subject that I wanted. They will pan in, they'll pan out, they'll, or zoom in and zoom out, they'll pan, and they'll pan too quickly, which will make people feel nauseous. Um, they'll suddenly turn the camera off. Or sometimes, I even had a situation where somebody turned a group photo into a series of individual portraits. Hmm. We got that one worked out. That was my husband. <laughs> and uh, it's okay. We did get their group photo. But after I was like, what? What in what reality did you think we wanted a group photo to turn into 12 portraits? But anyway, we're still married. I still adore him. That's the truth. Okay. So in other words, don't let others hold your cameras for you and make sure you get a serviceable tripod right away. Now I'm going to go out uh, of frame for just a minute because I'll show you my tripod.
Okay. I actually left my tripod, the one I actually use, in the car. So this is an old one, and we keep them and use them for various things. Um, but what I want to show you is this tubular metal frame. And they just last so well, and they're so easy, and they're very inexpensive. The last one I bought was less than $30. And I... I can find them in two sizes on Amazon. One's 50 inches tall and one's 60. Get the 60 because a 50 inch is okay for me because I'm short. But my husband who does help me with this a lot. And so I do make exceptions on getting videographers. And over the years, he's actually become pretty good. Um, but you want to be able to raise the viewfinder, okay? So that when it's sitting on the ground, this tall person can look straight through it and doesn't have to go like this, all right? So some other features that are good, you, you can see that there are all these little things that screw in and out and this one, uh, tightens this so it doesn't go up or down. So right now it's loose and we can make this net go up or down by turning this. And then we have, put that all the way down. And then we have the actual one here and it goes, okay, so you can see that's tight. We loosen it, still too tight. That's loose. Okay. Well, it's never done that before. That's why it's good to play with your equipment before. Okay. Sheesh, this one's really tight. Let me loosen that now. Yeah, there's a problem with this one. That's probably why we ended up getting a, a new one. Okay, that one's really tight. When you loosen this, it ought to loosen up that whole thing, and it doesn't. So this would be a really sticky tripod to use. All right, this loosens and tightens when you get it at the angle you want. You can tighten it a little bit, but you don't want to do too much because if you need to move it, you're going to have to loosen it right away. There's a face plate that screws onto the bottom of your camera and it sits inside of this hole here. You spring this, set it in there, and then close that and it will actually clamp your camera in. This one doesn't have it, but some of them have a hook down here so that you can hang something weighted, even like a rock in a drawstring bag. Because if you're doing videos and it's very windy, they will fall, your camera will fall right over. And of course the legs extend. And when I'm doing this, I extend the bottom ones first and then the next one up. And when I'm putting it away, I do it in the reverse order. Anyway, it takes just seconds to set up a tripod like this. 
And they are amazing in their durability and what it helps you do. Okay, so the next tip is record ambient sound and show actual training. I recommend you don't try to do an actual presentation video because it's a lot easier to do a voiceover later or to do other editing later. And if you try to explain your video as you go, the distraction is likely to wreck your training session. You know, you need to be focused on that animal and it needs to be your training steps are conversation between you and the animal. And if you lag, the animal's going to be like, yeah, I'm out of here. So keep your focus where it needs to be. Do your amazing work, document your amazing work, and then go back and talk about it with people in your voiceover. Um, the other thing that you have to think about is every time you misspeak, you could have a perfect training video, but you go, today I'm going to show you, you know, fried eggs. And then you realize, oh no, we're having boiled eggs. I meant to say boiled eggs. And now all of a sudden you either have to redo this video or edit it. And so the less that you have to get right, you know, when you're there in the moment, the easier it will be. And again, you can add voiceover or editing later. Now, here's another thing. It's not just the mistakes that you make. It's whatever happens in the environment. You know, does a jet suddenly go overhead? Oh, I live, you know, by Oceana Air Base. And there's constantly jets going over. Or sometimes they're helicopters and Sometimes they're UFOs, but they don't make sound. And it goes on and on. So you may have a perfect video, and then all of a sudden nobody can hear anything. And you've got to wait for the plane to go over. And it's just wrecked your video. If you just do the training, you can mute the sound in certain cases, still see the action, and do the voiceover later. And similarly, there are many times where your animal does something right and he, he might do 50 things right in a row, but we trainers are experts at pushing it too far. We'll push it to the 51st time and the animal will suddenly not work. And then we look sorry and lame. So if we just focus on exactly the thing that we came to show and then stop that video, make another little one. You can put as many together as you want, but if you're doing them all as a big, long story, if anything goes wrong, you've got to edit or redo it. And by the way, I'm an experienced speaker. So I usually do redo a video rather than edit it. It's usually faster and easier for me to do that. So that's an option that really works for me. Now, here is the last tip that I have. And I, it is that I really try not to editorialize. 
you may notice I'll say that animal might be thinking this or might be like, you know, yeah, right, buddy. Why do you have the keys to the car? That's something I use all the time. Uh, but I don't really know what the animal is thinking. I think I have a pretty good idea. I definitely have opinions about it. But as soon as I say, oh, this animal didn't come when I called because he was distracted by someone else or because he wasn't hungry or because I don't have any way to actually know that. So now for no reason, I have created a credibility issue because everybody that's listening, especially if they're experienced with animals, knows that there's no way I can know that for sure. So why do I try to pretend like I can read the animal's mind? Whether or not I can read the animal's mind, there's no way for me to prove that I can read his mind. So it's better to just leave that in mystery. Now, here's the problem. I'm not very good at doing that. I really have to work to take my opinions out of the work. But I think it's so important because you can just see it on the audience face. In fact, I did an experiment where I did training with a human without you know, just like we would for an animal without any explanation or anything, but using bridges and targets and cues and so forth, we created this behavior. Okay, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. We called it the Queen Elizabeth. Okay, so... We do this and it was so simple. It was putting together four behavioral components. Each one had its own name. Then I added it together. Then when I gave the name, the Queen Elizabeth, everybody groaned or laughed. And then I used to say, and this animal understands clearly. And I know this because they take the cue quickly without, um, you know, um, delaying. They have confidence. They do it correctly. These are all evidence that this animal does understand. But as soon as I said, I know this, I could see people's faces and they go, oh, mm. Like, there's no way you can know this, Casey Cover. So I switched things around. I did the training, and all the people watched. And then I said, do you believe that this animal understands what we're doing, why, and how? And the people would reflect on it for a minute, and they'd almost always go, yes, I do. Why? Because he takes the cue without latency, he does the behavior immediately, smoothly, and with confidence. The behavior is correct. You know, all the things that I usually say, but the difference is it's their conclusion, not mine. 
So I persevere. I'm going to master this. I'm going to stop editorializing. Okay, let me know what you think about this. You might have other tips that I've totally forgotten. I'd love to hear your tips. And I'd love to hear your stories about the one that got away and the one that didn't get away. You know, that video where you had it and um, you are so glad you did. Also, how important do you think it is to study your own training video to, you know, study your own technique, maybe to evolve your technique? It's by studying video that we've evolved stats in the many surprising ways that we have. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in with me. And I'm looking forward to your comments and uh, take care and we'll see you soon. Good night. Hey fans, are you enjoying training with Casey? Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Casey Cover on YouTube. That is youtube.com forward slash C slash Casey Cover. Also, give the podcast a like, share, and comment. Thanks for joining us. Come back for more news and views on animal training and living with animals. Stay at the top of the pack with Casey. This is Joseph Laughlin, producer of Training with Casey. See you next time.